0: Just go through the motions of like church, that we realize what it is that we're resting and rejoicing in together. And we make much of that to one another. What a joy, what a privilege. If you have a Bible, please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 15. Words will certainly be on the screen, but if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. And there are some familiar words in there because we've been using them as our benediction, the closing words, if you will. Uh, the lasting words as we head out of here, and we'll do that again today, um, during our series here of One Another. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7 of Romans chapter 15. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Romans 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word and we ask that it would find a home in our hearts. I don't know what it is that we've carried in with us this morning. What discouragement, what joy... What frustration, what hope? But God, if we're here, and I pray that you would meet with us as we come to your Word. You would do good work in us. Help us see that you have provided for all we need. Turn our hearts away from sin and self. May we see your grace. And may we rest in you. So be with us. The preaching, the hearing the receiving, the believing of this, your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. In Dietrich Bonhoeffer's classic work, Life Together, the classic exploration of Christian community, he makes this very astute declaration. And that, that is the gospel, also clarifies the goal of all Christian community. They meet one another as bringers of the message of salvation. The goal. Did you catch that? The goal. The goal of Christian community isn't moving on from the gospel, but a moving onward with the gospel as it shapes our lives together. And the gospel isn't just for the preacher to preach. And it isn't just for those handful of Overly excited and eager people who are really passionate about evangelism. If the gospel is true, now I'm going to pause. The gospel, what is that? Well, it's the good news of a God who's in control over everything, sending His Son to Live a life that we could not live and die a death that we deserve to defeat an enemy we could never overcome, sin, death, and Satan, to give to us a salvation we could never gain on our own. That God purposed and planned and promised this and then brings it about and accomplishes it through the Son, Jesus. And that all who would look to the Son through faith, trusting Him, living that life and dying that death and rising again in their place, would be saved. The Bible says all those who would look to Christ will be saved. That's the gospel. So, back to what I was saying. (laughs) If this is true, if it is true, then it is no longer a sideline issue. It's not just for the guy standing here in the moment or the eager person who wants to Evangelize the world. It is the whole thing of what we're doing. It shapes everything about who we are and how we are and what we are and why we are. So, that means you and I, we need to be a gospelizing people. If this is is the operating system of God's grace to us and, and the operating system of God's grace in us and through us, then you and I, we, in our one another dynamic are to be a gospelizing people. What do I mean by that? Well, to gospelize means to increasingly understand, make much of, and apply the truths of gospel to everyday life. To gospelize one another means to increasingly understand, make much of, and apply the truths of the gospel in the culture and character of the church. For our one anothering to cultivate a gospel community, which is what we've been looking at for now six weeks this summer, we've been stressing and, and, and digging into and looking at these key passages in the New Testament that call our attention to the call to one another and we're looking at this from all sorts of angles. For our one anothering to cultivate a gospel community, we must be a gospelizing people, understanding, making much of, and applying the truths of the gospel in the character and culture of our church. That's what it calls for from all of us. And so, what does that look like? Our passage. Is a remarkable passage that describes this culture and character and, and its features for us. And as we look at our passage this morning, I want us to see that gospelizing one another has some things that come with it. And the first is, it, it come, what comes with gospelizing one another is that we are a, a, a welcoming culture. Now we're going to dig into what that actually means, but I want us to just get that sort of category in mind. We become a welcoming culture culture secondly what we find in our passage is that that desire and the action of being a welcoming culture has a motive that's undergirding it it's it's supplying it and that motive is a christ centered motive the aim and an ultimate aim of this culture and that motive is that god would get the glory that it's a god glorifying aim So let's work through this passage, let's consider these things together, and hopefully let's be encouraged all the more to be a gospelizing people with one another. First, a gospelizing one another has a welcoming culture, a welcoming culture. Look at verse 7, which is our main verse for us this morning, but we're going to hang out in this paragraph as we consider it. Verse 7 says this, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. For the glory of God. Now, this is not the kind of welcome you might be thinking. It's not exclusively a welcome center with a couple of greeters type of welcome that Paul has in mind. That's not the kind of welcome that he's talking about. Now, those kinds of things are certainly important. Let's have welcome centers and let's have happy people greeting us. All our gruff people can get to their seats as quickly as possible. But what it literally means is to receive or to accept. Even further, like as you see how this word is used, it really has an even more deeply personal application to it. And get this, it means to grant access to one's heart. To take into friendship. The word that Paul is using here employs that imagery and that affection, that character to open up your heart to others, to grant access to your heart to others, to bring others into friendship. So that means it's to receive into mutual care. That's really at the heart of this call to welcome one another. Part of this gospelizing, this understanding, making much of, and applying the truth of the gospel is that it does some work in us where we, volitionally, on purpose, open up our hearts to others to receive and to mutual care with one another. That's what the gospel does as it teases out into our lives. I mean, and who in here... From your most extroverted extrovert to the most introverted introvert, who's probably watching online, no offense. Just a joke. Just a joke. I'll make fun of extroverts, too. All of us, at varying degrees, wants to know that feeling of belonging. That these people in this room or in this church are safe. That they care. Not be, might not be perfect, not asking for perfect. When I come, am I here or am I not? And so, this call to be a welcoming culture that comes from a gospelizing one another emphasis is to receive into mutual care. And our passage helps us see what that kind of mutual care is all about. Mutual care wants to see each other, get this, thrive in Christ. The kind of care that we have for one another is that you look at the other people in this room or the other people in your life group, at the other people in your ABF or the other people that you serve alongside in the student ministry or the other people that you're serving alongside in our food pantry, that you look at the people that you serve alongside as you're helping the facilities and, and maintenance and all the ways in which one can be a part of this church family As you're sitting down and grabbing a coffee, you look at one another and you think to yourself and you operate out of a desire to see that person thrive in Christ. That's the kind of receiving into mutual care that Paul is getting at, that the gospel brings into the life of the church. Mutual care that wants to see others thrive in Christ. Four things that we find in our passage that bring this out that help us understand what what mutual care receiving into mutual care looks like. First one is that we give grace to one another. We give grace to one another. Look at verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to hear the to bear, excuse me, with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, The Apostle Paul is using strong and weak, maybe not in the spectrum sense that you and I would use strong and weak, as if we're measuring up between varsity and JV. He's talking something very different about where people are at and their understanding, making much of, and applying the truths of the gospel in their life. He's just talking about the reality is that you and I, we're all going to be at different places and move at different paces in our spiritual walk. We're not all going to be at the same place. At no point will we ever be in a static moment at the same place in our growth and knowing who Jesus is and that shaping the way we live. We'll never be there. And we we will not be ever moving at the same pace. Some of us will grow crazy fast. Some of us grow steadily and slow. And some of us may toggle between all of that. And guess what? Verse 1 tells you, that's okay. Have grace for others who are in different places and move at different paces. Have grace for all the little spaces in between. Have grace for each other. Part of opening up your heart to others to to develop meaningful relationship and, and fellowship and care for one another is that you care about that person thriving in Christ no matter where they are on place and no matter how fast they move in pace. You want them where they are thriving in Christ. So give grace to one another and that grace is wonderful. It's great and that's the grace that we need to keep carrying on with us going forward. Author and speaker Jared C. Wilson had a, had a great little quip describing the nature and character of this. He says this, The message of grace will attract people, but a culture of grace will keep them. Will keep them. To know that when you walk in, you don't have to be running a mile in under five minutes to be a part of our church. That you can be where you are. And our hope is that where you are will grow and thrive in Christ. Give grace to one another. Second aspect of mutual care that helps each other thrive is that we build each other up. Look at verse 2 of Romans chapter 15. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. I mean, that's as straightforward as you can be. Build each other up. Have a culture in the life of your church that's aim and hope and work is to build each other up. When our impulse is to see others thrive in Christ, there's going to be something amazing that happens in us. We too are going to thrive in Christ. As we share our lives with each other and we want to see each other be built up, we're going to be built up. It's a mutual care. that helps us to understand that the church isn't a social club about us receiving. It's not about your focus shouldn't be about what you get when you come to church. What do I get out of this? Rather, it is a gospel-shaped community eager to see others grow. As you build up each other, you too are being built up. So we give grace to each other. We open up our hearts to one another and we give grace. We open up our hearts to one another and we build each other up. Thirdly, we open up our hearts to one another and we hope in the word together. We hope in the word together. Look at verse 4. For whatever was written in a former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. That we would be a people that are eager to open up our hearts, eager to give grace, eager to build each other up, but the tools of the trade, if you will, are going to be found in God's Word, that we would be a Word-based people. Now note what we have in the Word. First, it's a purposeful instruction. It gives us purposeful instruction about who God is, what God has done, what that makes us, and how we are to live. It's purposeful instruction. But that instruction comes with encouragement and hope. It comes with encouragement and hope because we aren't always going to get this right. We're going to mess up. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to aloofly not consider one another well. We're going to do things not intentionally or sometimes intentionally that could be harmful or hurtful in our relationships. So you and I we need to saturate these relationships with God's Word, which brings to us encouragement and hope. Have you ever this this is going to be a little bit more of a locker room talk. So if you aren't real familiar with church or being around a bunch of Christians, you might not know this dynamic. But this dynamic is very real. You ever sit in a group, doesn't matter if it's three of you or thirty of you and it's time to pray, and everybody wants to share the prayer requests. And then an hour and a half later, there's a five-minute prayer to wrap it all up. You know what I'm talking about, where we talk more about it rather than doing it? I, I, I know that I'm guilty of that, and I know some of you all are guilty of that. So much so that in our elder meetings, we don't even do that. We just pray, and you just start praying. And when somebody starts praying about something or a situation, that's when you learn about it. We want to be busy about what it is that God would have for us to do. So instead of talking about the Word, or talking about being in the Word, I don't know, just do it. What if your time around a a, a coffee was more time spent getting into a passage and thinking it out together? Looking at the Word with hope. Because gospelizing one another can't happen without the Word saturating our community. Fourthly, in our passage, we find that not only are we to receive one another for mutual care that gives grace to each other, builds each other up, hopes in the Word together, but also shares in unity in the beliefs, vision, and mission of the church. It's really, a, it's like a refresher of our message from last week. Look again at verses 5 and 6. These words have been with us the entire series. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we stated last week, harmony means to to be on the same page, to share in this vision, share in these beliefs, share in this work that we are together in. And so it's, it's about being on that same page. And so that Together, the more we understand, the more we make much of, the more we apply the truths of the gospel, the more it shapes us in a unified way around what these truths mean for us. That's what it means to be a, have a welcoming culture. It's not easy, but when I read that paragraph, it is dripping with joy. Dripping with hope. It's not easy. No. Oh, but it's worth it. It's worth it, church. Now, to help drive that worth home all the more is that our motive for it isn't what we gain ourselves. It's actually our motive isn't even the people around us that we care about, though they're important. No, it's a bigger motive. It's an ultimate thing. It's Christ himself. We have a Christ-centered motive when we go about gospelizing one another. Look again back at our main verse, verse 7. So we started off with, therefore welcome one another. Now look, as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. A Christ-centered motive because of what we have received in Christ. As Christ has welcomed you. Don't, don't gloss over that. Don't speed past that as if it's just a little sort of, you know, religious, motivational like jolt that Paul wants to give. But actually, it's a deep well. It's a deep, deep well of incredible truth, as Christ has welcomed you. So I want to ask an answer, how has Christ welcomed you? Stop and just think about that for a moment. How has Christ welcomed you? Well, let me give some of that answer. He set down glory and took on humanity, entering into our very situation in a fallen, sinful, broken world. He lived out a life that we had no intentions or abilities to live. He did so perfectly, fulfilling all of God's standards. And He was tempted in every way as we are, yet He was without sin. He died a death that we deservedly earned, paying a penalty we could never reduce, defeating a power we could never break, and one day, removing a presence of sin that we could never scrub away, no matter how hard we try. Then He rose again, over the grave, displaying His power to save, bringing forth this glorious victory of His work to be known throughout all of the earth. I know. Oh yeah, by the way, He sent the Spirit. To awaken our dead hearts, illuminating the gospel, equipping us with faith and repentance, and leading us into a life of transformation, culminating in one great and glorious day. And he will one day return and restore all things, removing the presence of sin and death and establishing his forever kingdom, where sorrow and death and tears Will be no more. And did he do this because you were basically good people? No. He did all this while we were actively rebelling against him as if he didn't exist. How has Christ welcomed you? How has he received you? Opened up his heart and brought you into the most meaningful friendship you will ever know. He did it at great sacrifice and cost. He did it with great joy and glory. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Now, ask yourself if a growing understanding of and making much of and applying of what we have in the gospel. Is that amazing? Isn't it enough for us to go about welcoming one another? Isn't it enough for us to have the motive to keep on welcoming one another in this kind of way? When we look at the gospel and behold the glory of God through the person of Jesus Christ, we have all the motive in the world to receive one another and mutual care. As Christ has welcomed you isn't a throwaway statement, and it's not a guilt trip. It's a it's a philosophy of ministry. We all can share it. Now that culture. That motive has an ultimate destination, and it's God's glory. All of that, its aim is for God's glory, because God is worth all the glory. The end game in all of this is more people glorifying God more in their lives. That's the end game. That's where this is going, that more people would glorify God more in their lives. Look again at our verse. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Scholars and Greek experts debated over what that for was referring to. Is it referring to the welcoming one another or the as Christ has welcomed you? And the answer is yes, (laughs) all of it. It's for the glory of God that we would look at the responsibility and joy and privilege of opening up our hearts to one another, as risky as that might be. Because we're really good at hurting each other's hearts. We're really good at hurting the heart of somebody else. Our heart has been wounded, so we're going to wound others. We can do that. We don't have to be taught how to do that. That just comes with us. But when we experience the grace of God, it brings about a transformation in us that now there's something new operating where there was something broken and sinful and wounded. And that something new is because of Jesus. And that something new has an ultimate hope. And that is to bring glory to God. And that's at work in you. Yes, you. You who look to Christ have something new in you. You aren't what you were and you're not what you're going to be. You are what you are right now because God has been gracious to you. And so, if if you come to church with a what I can get mentality, you come here to only consume. You are a consumer seeking to consume. And eventually, you will run out of the things that you want to consume. So I'm pleading with you, Put down the consumer mentality. It's not worth it. There's something better. It will never run out. It will never run dry. God's grace has the aim of God's glory, and you get to be a part of that. Consuming seeks to consume self-absorbed expectations with self-centered motives for self-pleasing aims. This would make others enablers or obstacles. This makes Christ a genie. This makes God subservient to you. Set down the consumption. There's something far better. And God has made a way. If we have God's glory as the aim, with Christ as our motive, and mutual care as our effort, we will experience a tremendous joy We will experience a settling peace. We will experience a purposeful mission together. For our one anothering to foster a gospel-shaped community, we must be a gospelizing people. That we would receive one another into our hearts for mutual care. That we would be so overwhelmed with joy and hope and purpose by Christ that our motive for this sort of community would burn longer than all the obstacles to it. That we would be so eager to see much of God be made so much of that we can't wait to share in it again. Wouldn't that be something, Trinity? Wouldn't that be something? across all our ages, all the places and paces of our lives, wouldn't that be something? Let's pray. God, we ask that you would do this good work in us and see this good work happen through us, that others who might be hurting, who might be far, who might be lost, who might be confused or disoriented or disillusioned, Or just apathetic, or whatever it might be, that others would see something real and be drawn to that. And oh God, that our lives would then just be conduits of your grace to others, and then others' lives running to you for that very grace. May we then be a people that are eager to open up our hearts and share with each other our very lives because of the way that Christ has received us and accepted us. That we would be so caught up in the joy and hope and power that we have in the gospel that we would want to live our lives for your glory, not just our comfort. God, would you do this? Would you do this in us and through us? May we be a gospelizing people. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.